Amen. Yeah, have you, well, listen, it's a different Sunday here. I, I have to tell you that most of you that know me, I'm, I'm more of a, a teacher, preacher. I love to go through every verse of every chapter of every book and all of Scripture. And so when Michelle called this, uh, amen, when Michelle called this week about my sermon, I told her, naturally, I'm going to be in Genesis 13 because that's where we are in our study looking at the journey of faith in, in Abraham's life. Don't turn there because uh, God just, uh, I had said, on, on Father's Day, I'm going to address fathers and mothers because uh, Mother's Day came kind of right in the midst of uh, this virus and shutting everything down. And so what I want to do today is talk to you about godly parenting. And at the end, I want to close with a, um, a word to children in here uh, about their responsibilities in keeping God's Word. Amen? Parents, you should say amen to that. We're going to tell the children their responsibilities from God's Word. So we want to start with a Christian worldview of marriage. And so uh, since I, I'm, like, I'm old school with going through Scripture, I decided, well, I'm at least going to start with Abraham as a father. But I want you to know this morning a couple of things, or at least I want to acknowledge, and I believe you already know this, that your spouse and your children are gifts from God. I, I wouldn't be here today without my spouse, I can tell you that. There's no telling where I would be. And so I'm so thankful for Sonia, and I know that every husband in here, I can look and tell you that you married above yourself, all right? Your wife, yeah, she really, she, she was looking in the low end of the gene pool for us. Um, and we have beautiful, beautiful children. And it's so easy to look at them and see and to understand these are God's gift to us. And yet many times we live in conflict with one another. With the one that God gave us and the children that God gave us, we, we live in conflict with one another as if though we're living with the enemy. And one of the things we need to do as husbands and wives is to realize this. My spouse was created for me. My spouse was created to help me. My spouse was created to make me holy. All right, the, the one relationship, human relationship, which will make you holy is marriage. You come into it and you, you are agreeing for two to become one, but man, that takes a little while to work out, amen? And so I can remember that Sonia and I made those vows to each other, but I never in my mind understood what it really meant for two to become one. And as we've grown together in marriage, I'm at least beginning to see a little bit about what God commands us to do as husbands and wife. We're not where we need to be yet. We haven't attained it yet, as Paul says, but we sure are striving to. And marriage has become the most beautiful relationship in this side of eternity for me. Next to my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, man, my wife is my best friend. I'm not letting her speak today because I don't know if she would say the same thing. Amen. Our children and our spouses are God's plan for us. And so we start, I just want to look at God's plan for marriage. I want to look at that in the life of Abraham. In Genesis 18, only a couple of verses, and I'll read them for you because I want to give you as many scripture as I possibly can about what it is I'm talking about. We don't really have, we, we have like Ephesians where there's parts of chapters broken up in three or four or five verses that talk about fathers and mothers and husbands and wives. But we don't have just this long unified chapter or book or passage that addresses all the issues of marriage. Now it's, it's all spread out in there and it's all in God's word. And so we're not lacking information from God about how we to treat one another's husband and wife and how we're to interact with our children. And so I want to look at uh, not all of them, but a, a few of them 
because we would be here till next week. Now, we're going to be going on vacation soon, and we don't have church tonight, so the deacons have told me we pay you for two hours on Sunday, so just be ready. Uh, put your seatbelt on. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelations about what it means to be a husband and a father. We look at Genesis 18, 19, 18, uh, chapter 18, 18, and 19 verses. It says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Verse 19, God speaking, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Remember, God's chosen Abraham, not just so his family would be blessed, but God's chosen Abraham so that the world might be blessed through him. Now, here's an important thing we need to point out. If the world's going to be blessed through Abraham and his descendants, then his sons and grandsons and great-grandsons and daughters and granddaughters and great-granddaughters must be taught the Word of God. They have to be taught the statutes of God. If God's going to use this man and his family to bless all of us, and we're sitting here today because of the promise that God made through Abraham. And so if he's going to do this, then he's got to make sure that his children understand the decrees that God has made to Abraham. As parents, man, we, we've got to understand that if we want our children to be Christians, we better be Christians. Whatever it is you would desire to see in your child's life, you need to reflect that in your own life. If it's not important enough for you to demonstrate to your children, then you really don't care whether your children get it or not. There are people who will come on a Wednesday night and drop their kids off and hope that the church will change their kids, but they have no desire in their own heart to be changed themselves. And so for six days, seven days there with parents, uh, listen, the church can do some, but it takes godly parents to raise godly children. If you want your children to be Christians, then you better demonstrate the life, the attitude, the mind of what a Christian is. If you want your kids to really care about the Word of God, then you better demonstrate that you in your own life uh, are living on the very Word of God. They need to see your Bible in your hand and not on your table. All right, that's a break. I'm taking a breath. You can all say... Well, all three of you did, so I appreciate it this morning. So we've got to understand the biblical concept of marriage. Marriage is God's design, and children argue, that's a beautiful cry. That's maverick. That's, I tell you, the Smith and the Bachelor family has been very blessed this past year. So let's begin by taking a look at the biblical concept about children. And I would submit to you this. Children belong to God. Children are a blessing from God. Children are a reward. It's not that we deserve them. I'm not worthy to have not one of my children and to be their dad. God has seen fit to bless me with that. It's not because I earned it. It's because he chose it. So I know... That for so many years, Derek and Steph wanted a child. I know my sister and Chris, they've struggled with this issue. But boy, it takes aunts and uncles to raise children. So whether they know it, they have five. Chris, if you didn't know, brother, you just got five kids. They're going home with you today, too. Children are rewarding. Children are unique. And I want to share a couple of passages that will just demonstrate this 
In Psalm 127, 3, and I'm going to read throughout the Psalms some today, especially Psalm 78, but uh, Psalm 127, 3 uh, talks about, um, let me just do this. I'm just going to look at these other notes. Or we will be here till uh, 2 o'clock. Some of you don't mind, and that's, you're, you're the ones who really care. Those of you that are, already have your keys in your hands, you're the ones who need repentance in your life. I'm just trying to keep my job for another week, right? I'm ready to get to, to Genesis 13 for crying out loud. Psalm 78.4, we will not hide them. God's precepts is what them is referring to. We will not hide the decrees of God. We will. I can't read every passage to get to these, so I just want to try to put in the right context and the content that, that you know it's incorrect. Uh, in a correct place. How about that? Not in correct. Uh, we will not hide them, God's precepts, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. And so if we're really going to be godly parents, listen, we have to pass it on to the next generation. I'm not suggesting this morning that you can save anyone because you couldn't even save yourself. Just say amen. You may not have come to this conclusion, realization yet, but you could not save yourself. It required a Savior, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. All right? And so you can't save your children. But you can teach your children the truth of God's Word that can lead to salvation. Amen? And, and so it is the gospel that has the power or leads to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith. And if we really, really want to see God move in the next generation, then we have to teach them the precepts of God, the Word of God. You ever hear anybody complain about the, the young generation? And I'm not... I'm not talking about you if you're guilty of that. I, you know, we like to sit on the porch too and sometimes talk about what, what this world has come to. But I want to tell you that what you see in the younger generation is what they see in you. They, they're a reflection of what you have taught them. They're a reflection of what we have shown to be important in our life. My kids, their worldview and their lens that they look through life as it comes through the way I lived in front of them, what I taught them, what they saw was important to me. If kids don't know it's important to read the Word of God, how are they to come to that conclusion on their own? Right? If mom and dad doesn't pick it up, then don't expect the children to pick it up. We talk about wanting to have our kids in church and want our kids to grow up around other Christians and have good friends. Well, if you want your kids to go to church, you better go to church. That your kids aren't just going to all of a sudden come to the conclusion, have their eyes wide open that they need to be in church if mom and dad never took them to church. You want to know why it's so important for the Great Commission for the church to leave and go outside the door walls and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there are literally billions of people who have never heard the name of Jesus in their homes. They've never seen a Bible in their homes. They may have been raised as an atheist family. They might have been raised as a Buddhist family. They may have been Islamic. How are they going to know about Jesus if they don't come from a background where mom and dad care about Jesus? Now it does fall to the church. We've got such a huge burden as the church because families aren't doing their job. Here's what I love. Probably the last seven children we baptized did not get saved at church, got saved at home. Came to the Lord at home. Here, here at Buffalo, when your kid comes to Christ at home, we go into the baptismal waters together. Dad goes in and baptizes his child. That's the way it ought to be. This church would be full if we just were reaching people. 
you know, we've always been really good at baptizing our own kids. So what happened when family size got smaller? I'm just asking you to think kind of through a couple steps here. When families had nine kids, and those kids got saved because they were in church every single week from the time they were born, nine of those kids would get baptized and saved in the church. Now we don't have nine kids in families. If you have five like we do, people look at you like you're crazy. All right, so our families have gotten very small. So we're replacing families of nine with families of two. We're seeing smaller baptism, not because we're worse at it, but because we were never good at it. We just baptized our own children for years and years and years. And every once in a while, somebody would get excited and reach somebody new in the community. Wouldn't it be something if our kids were sharing the gospel because their parents were sharing the gospel? Godly parenting. First thing is this. I just have two things I want to say, I think, about this. One, godly parents teach. You're to be a teacher and a preacher in your home, Dad. Single parents, I don't know how in the world they do it. They, they certainly have every prayer that I can give them. Because it is so hard when there's a husband and a wife in the home who love God and are trying to disciple their own children. It's hard. It's not easy. Our kids are, are just human as well. One day they, they're, they're just blessings, right? They just bring joy to your heart. And the next day, you're on your knees all day long praying for them. What about those children who don't have a mom and a dad at home? Aren't they just as beautiful in the sight of God as those who are raised in Christian homes? That's why I love the fact that here in Blacksburg, a small community, we know most of the teachers in our school, and probably 90% of the teachers are saved and attend church here. We had a principal at Blacksburg up to a few years ago who when a kid got in trouble would call one of the preachers to go up and talk to him. I remember getting a call of a young kid and the principal called and said, can you come talk to him? And I said, well, I'll come. I don't know, you know exactly what you want me to do. So he just gave me his seat and he left. That's, that's the school district we have here. It's a, I wouldn't send my kids to private school because they probably get discipled less. That's a blessing. Teachers bring glory to God. You talk about those who are going to have an impact on children. Teachers next to family spend more time with our kids than anyone else. It's important to have godly teachers. But mom and dad, you have to be a teacher at home. Father, you've got to preach to your kids. My kids are probably thinking right now, we're tired of being preached at, right? And that's true. We don't want to preach at our kids. We want to preach to our kids. And I would, I would declare to you that not with words alone, right, by actions. Demonstrate what you want to see evident in your children's life. Teach them. And then just want to look kind of at the results of godly parenting. When, when we raise children in godly homes... Psalm 78, 5 says, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. They would know the statutes, right? So we taught our kids Scripture so that the next generation would know what Scripture said. Even the children yet to be born. Don't you love this passage? 
man, it hits all the hot topics all at once. Even those kids that haven't been born yet. And they in turn will tell their children. So this is what God said to the, the Israelite descendants. Teach your kids the word of God. And then they'll teach their kids the word of God. And then their grandkids will teach your great grandchildren the word of God. This is a, a godly legacy that we want to leave behind as husbands and wives, as fathers and mothers. We want to leave a legacy of God's precepts, words, commands, directives. We want to do what God says is right. We want to live the way God's called us to live. Why? Because the, not our future, but the future of our children is at stake. How serious I take my Christian walk with God is going to directly dictate what my children thinks of God. How many children do we have who don't even know if there is a God? Because they don't see it at home. I want to share just a few parental responsibilities. How about that? You say, Preacher, you've kind of been telling us a bunch of things we're responsible for. No, I've just been giving you some big concepts. I want to get a little bit more on a, uh, on a small level here and talk about, as moms and dads, what falls on us. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I just want to tell you, this is where I struggle the most. I don't really have the gift of subtlety. You know, I mean, if Sonia says, tell X, Y, Z... There's no um, grace, usually. Or, or uh, I told children, child number two, to get out of bed. I didn't mean to really. I mean, it's not, the number two doesn't relate to my second child. I told them to get out of bed, and they're still laying in bed. I don't go in, I'm like a, a drill sergeant, you know what I mean? And that comes naturally to me. I don't have to pretend to really be passionate about getting my kids out of bed it is a passion of mine Michael it really is it's like I live to get get them out of bed right and so when I go in it's not hey brother I would really appreciate as your father if you would get out of bed since your mother has already asked that of you yeah I, my approach is more like throwing a bucket of not cold but hot water on them right um so my wife has gifts I don't have. My wife definitely has the gift of grace. Uh, I love the fact my kids talk to my wife because they don't talk to me. <laughs> and we're not even trying the good cop, bad cop thing. You with me? It's just... And I have to be careful that I don't discourage my children. I have to be careful that I don't exacerbate my kids. Because very quickly... I can cross that line. But God's gifted me in a different area than my wife. It's why I say, boy, when God brings two people together to be one so that they might pass on the word of God to the next generation, it is 100% a team effort. It, it's not, I'll give 50 and you give 50. It's, I'll give 100 and you give 100 and we'll pray a whole lot and hopefully this thing works out. 
I heard Tyler say something about you don't have very much time. We know that if your kids leave your home before they've come to saving knowledge of Christ, the odds are really stacked against them of ever coming to know Christ. Not impossible. Thank God there are people coming to Christ every single day on college campuses and in companies. But we just know the odds are that probably 95% of those who have not come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ by the time they go to college, they probably will not. And moms and dad, it falls to us to preach and teach our children. You ever preach to yourself? Man, I preach to myself every day. Get in the car by myself. I get to thinking about what I just thought or said or did or acted, and I, I have to preach God's Word to myself. At times I get discouraged and I have to preach God's Word to my own heart. All right, there's times when I feel anxious and I have to preach to myself that God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Right? Just, you, know, you know the passages. You know the ones who bring you comfort and you preach those to yourself. That's, that's how you get from one day to the next. Now, uh, some people may call that something different. I just want to tell you, I believe it's preaching to yourself. You're just sharing the Word of God to your own heart, to your own mind. Because the Word of God's powerful, right? We just talked about this on Wednesday night. Powerful, right? I mean, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Scripture said. It, it cuts all the way. Here's what it does. It cuts through all of the trash. It, it cuts through all the mess. It cuts through every excuse. That's why you can go to church and the preacher can say something and boy, it really pricks your heart. And that either makes you mad or makes you glad. But that's what the Word of God is. It's active. You need to be reading and preaching the Word of God, washing yourself and your family with the Word of God. I want to share just two things. Not points, just thoughts. Years ago, I would read surveys about what with parents, you know, God uh, or, or father and mother and how much time they spent. Uh, these are the newest statistics that are out. Dads spend eight minutes a day talking to their children. Now, just think about that a second. I've been trying to close for more than eight minutes. Dads spend... So, so this is including fathers who spend hours with their kids. So the truth is the number's a lot smaller than that in most homes. Because when we're getting it right and we're spending 45 minutes or an hour with our kids, can I just tell you that like this is the sword of God's Word that's cutting my heart? Because what I'm sharing with you is the challenge I have for myself as a dad. Dads spend eight minutes a day talking to their children. Working moms do a little better than dads. Working moms spend about 11 minutes a day talking to their children. We used to have this uh, slogan in South Carolina. Um, I, when I was on the board at First Steps, uh, we used to, um, the slogan was, read to me. That if we would read to our children, that just hearing us talk to them would increase their vocabulary, would make them so much more prepared for kindergarten. And what we found out is that people who had Christian parents went to kindergarten having heard about 50 million words. Not different words, just 50 million words spoken to them before they got 
to kindergarten. But we, we looked at those who fell below the poverty line, and they came to kindergarten having heard about 20 million words spoke to them. So what we found out is we don't even need to tell parents to read to them, but we need to tell parents to talk to them. I share with Derek and them, I share it with you. We're not perfect, but we can certainly be present. If you've got young children, you better talk to them all you can because when they get old enough to have a cell phone and um, their own bedroom, those conversations are few and far between. But I was a teenager once. I did the same thing. Make time. Make it a priority. Spend time with your kid. David uh, and I used to stay up late at night and watch a movie together. It was just time we had. You say, well, you weren't reading the Bible. No, I wasn't. I was just spending time with my son. We were just watching a movie. Just spend time with them. Sayers kind of in and out all the time. So you just have to spend a minute here and a minute there and hope it adds up to 30. We see Daniel in middle school and we're looking. We're saying, boy, we better start investing time now, more time. Right? He, he's kind of, he's that middle child and we've been running around with the first two kids and it's now his time to get the attention and the focus and taking him places and supporting them and things. Spend time with your children. Can I encourage? Spend time with your grandchildren. I love that. Boy, I'm just going to tell you that Friday night is my favorite night. Because my three youngest kids go to spend the night with their grandparents. When mom calls and says on like Thursday night, I'm not feeling real good, I start praying real hard for healing. <laughs> God, just touch your body. You don't even, God, you don't have to have anybody there. You don't even have to go. To, just speak healing to her, God. We need a break. And then they grow up and Sarah will be go This is what happens when the home's not a good place. Sarah will be going to Clemson in two years. That's rough, man. That's rough on a father. You feel like you did something wrong. But Dan knows what I'm talking about. Spend time with them. Let me just close with this. Amen. Listen, as parents, you better have some people you can laugh with about parenting. You better have some people you can just be honest with and talk to. Now, ladies, you need some good women friend who knows what moms face because I don't know what in the world moms are doing. And, uh, you know, it's working out. I know that. But I've never been a mom, so you can't talk to me about what you... What, you can talk to me about what you feel, but I can't understand it to that level. But you can talk to another mom, and she knows it's right. Uh, two moms can, can meet each other like on a, you know, an airplane and talk the whole flight. Two dads meet, and, and we are racing to see who can put earbuds in quicker so that the guy who turns to talk to us realizes, oh, he can't hear me. You've got to have good, godly parent friends to help you through tough times, to pray for your children when you're praying that God do a work in your children's life, your child's life. Hey, we were never meant to walk the Christian life alone. And we weren't meant to be parents all by ourselves. Uh, every person in this sanctuary that's been here has been like a 
second mom or dad or grandmother to my children. Even the ones who haven't been here before a couple years. They're, they're like a, another mom or dad or grandmom or granddad to my children. All five children have been born in this church. I mean, not literally, but you know what I'm saying. We were already here. So let me just encourage you this. Spend time with your kids. You, you want to make the, the best investment you'll ever make? It'll be your time with your kids. Play with them. This is hard for me. Play with them. When they want to throw a ball. When they want to draw on the sidewalk. When they're making those noises in the room and pushing their little matchbox cars around. Take some time and play with your children. Because if you don't spend time with your children, they will be spending time when they get older with others. You want to be able to have an impact in your children's life, you better invest the time now. Amen? So I'm going to encourage you this morning. I, I, I really do. I just want to encourage you and say, listen, we're here with you. We're praying for you. Moms, when you're struggling, find another mom that you can reach out to, that you can spend time with, that you know when you say, I need you to pray for me, that that person's praying for you. Dad, you need to find some good Christian, uh, and, and pr preferably someone who's already been through what you're going through. Amen? I'm not suggesting that two moms get together that both have two-year-olds. I'm suggesting they get together with people who have 22-year-olds who have already been through those times. Where do you want your children to get their values from? I could have said already where do you want your kids to get their values and their morality from from because the time you children and they're young will directly correlate to how you're able to pass your values and your morals and your worldviews off to your children if you don't put the time in when they're young they will develop values and they will develop morals and I don't want my kids worldviews, morality values to come from the world we're praying for all of you you pray for us for those who you know so scripture says before they were even born when they're in the womb so that means we like have fathers here today who this is your first father's day even though that your child hasn't been delivered yet. Amen? Happy Father's Day for the first time. You'll never get another first Father's Day. And for the rest of you, happy Father's Day. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we pray, Lord, that you honor your word, that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to our hearts and our minds. We do not want to come just to take away the wisdom of man. We want to come and hear your word so the Holy Spirit of God can... Speak to our hearts and minds. The Holy Spirit of God can bring understanding to that which is mysterious. Can, can guide and count our steps and our paths, Lord. And as parents, we want to be there with our kids. We want to be present with our children. We want to be the one that passes on the worldviews and the morals to our kids. We want to teach the next generation the importance of the Word of God, the importance of prayer, the importance of getting along with God. And so, Lord, if that truly is our desire, then we must demonstrate it. We must live that out in our life. And so we pray that you give us spiritual strength and wisdom that when our kids look at us, 
they'll see a picture of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.